All right. I think we're here, man. So, uh, welcome to the uh, Numb Bills fan Facebook Live thing we got going on here. I wish I had a picture for Deacon, but I can't find him. Deacon. Hey, that's all right. I'm on the phone. All right. Oh, well, oh, that ain't going to work. Shit. Oh, there's the book cover. Hey, don't forget, Tequila Spikes has, has a book called Behind the Mask. You should really pick it up. He came on with us. If you missed the video, Takeo came on to our podcast, uh, which was streamed live through Facebook Live uh, a couple months ago, maybe a month ago. And uh, really nice of him to come on and, and share us stories about being a photographer himself, picking it up late in his career. And, uh, I mean, that's a veteran that's definitely listened to some coaches. So, um, you know, pretty sweet. Uh, so check that out, BehindTheMaskBook.com. Um, on the line, we have Numb Bills Adam D. What up, D? What's going on, guy? Uh, do you have any clue what that file would be called where I find you looking all pretty? It would be it would be on the scene you're on now in the next box over from the one where you're clicking around b between the books. Oh, I think I got you. Oh, man. Nope, there's Tequila Spikes. Yeah, I don't think I got the right one, man. Because uh, I'm just taking stuff out here. You'll see it's coming down the pipe. But well, welcome. We do a podcast. We also do, obviously, a Facebook Live show every, uh, usually every Wednesday. Um, and we talk about the bills, as you could guess. So, uh, essentially, if you like to cut against the grain of what you're being fed in the regular media, I guess you found the right place. So, uh, we're not making dollars yet. Like, if you want to line up and pay us, by all means. Line up and pay yeah, us. Like, we are accepting sponsors. Just throwing it out there. You know, anybody interested, you're serious about it, like, really, contact me, Dave at numbillsfan.com or Adam at numbillsfan.com. Um, and we will gladly take in whatever you want to do and think it over on a serious note. Um, if you're starting, like, a network or something, maybe, maybe not. Not sure. Uh, we're pretty DIY people. And um, if you got a good track record of promotion and – Everything, hey, we're already paired up, paired up with Bills for Life, and that's who we're presented by. So um, thank you to Jamie Tilbury and Chris Williams for having us go live and really supporting us since, since um, you know, the beginning of this. I've always known Nick Papagellis at, uh, at the Red Pinto tailgate down there in, at, the, at the stadium. So, um, you know, kind of a long and long way about it, we linked up with Bills for Life. And we can't thank those guys enough. And they have the biggest Bills Mafia Facebook group. What, I think 61,000? At least 60,000 members. So check 61, that out. 61,000, I know that. It's crazy. That. It's crazy because those are real members. They're not bought for. Um, a little tool yeah. you might want to use called Twitter Audit. Check it out. It's kind of neat, you know? So it... it we can appear to be big or small, or you could do Twitter audit and find out how many people have like real followers. And it's kind of neat. Um, because I mean, we're not here to get rich quick. You know what I'm saying? So look, thank you for following us. Thank you for listening to us. Um, we are also brought to you by punch sports.com. It's really great. Uh, great podcast punch Drunk sports with Ari Shafir, Jason Tebow, and the, the wonderful San Tripoli. Who's Yo, up? Ari hasn't been on in a minute, though. Yeah, I don't know what Ari's even up to. 
he he's MIA. I was actually I was actually on Twitter talking with those guys earlier on, on the Where's Ari post. That's funny. That's funny. Um, so really, um, thank you to those guys, uh, especially San Tripoli, um, for thank you San Tripoli for giving us a call and, and having us join their up and coming sports podcast network and every team every professional team will have a podcast and it's primarily comedians doing a podcast about that team and uh, i guess we're somehow lumped into being comedians i just talk deacon just talks I, you call it whatever it is um but we just cut a real so thanks for coming and don't worry we got dick jokes if you're into dick jokes if you want them let me know hit up the comment section um because those are like softballs but no, really though, um, a lot of things have been happening with the Bills. Obviously, you know you had this coaching change with Rex Ryan. You're bringing in this coach Sean McDermott. Now it's time to uh, draft some players here. Personally, for me, I don't know about you, Deeks, but uh, I'll rant for a second here. Personally, for me, I was not ready for a coaching change, and I couldn't argue it. I could not argue a coaching change. I remember vividly sitting in the Miami game. With uh, right next to Heather Simon. Shout out to Heather Simon. Thank you for joining Heather. Or eventually she'll see this because she's like our biggest fan ever for some reason. But I was with Heather. And we got to watch that Miami kick go like way bottom right corner. Ugliest thing I've ever seen. I, I think I've seen chickens get punted better than that ball. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I did not know that I would be watching Rex Ryan's last game. And... Rex Ryan and Tyrod Taylor's last game that year. Um, pretty crazy. And I left there with my feet cold as hell again because uh, it was a rough two weeks. I believe the Cle Didn't they play Cleveland or something the week before? Yeah. And I wore these rubber boots. I have a dumpster in my, in my driveway because I'm that trashy where um, I've been remodeling my kitchen for not only just like two plus years, but uh, I had to rip off some siding again. And I had this dumpster, and I pull out these, like, water boots, and then I put my boots in the water boots that are supposedly waterproof that my friend Nick's like, oh, yeah, I just threw a bunch of stuff in your dumpster. Great. Really, I'm, like, kind of thrilled because I get to look at my dumpster for new things to me. Like, I've, I've pulled out, like, a pair of K2 skis. I ain't buying skis. And my friend Ricky's like, I can borrow some boots. It's time I save money. So I got skis whenever I want to ski, but now it's been raining for three days. I can't ski. Anyways... I'm in the stadium at the Cleveland game, and my feet just get, like, rock cold because apparently these water boots were not waterproof anymore, and that's why they're being thrown out, and I didn't get the memo. And note to self, and to <laughs> a little advice. Don't wear dumpster boots? Yeah, even if it's in your own dumpster. Is that the advice? Even if it's your even own dumpster. dumpster? <laughs> yeah, but you got to okay. under okay. understand something, though. My friend Nick and his brother Andrew, they used to live together like family, okay? They'll take, like, jet ski parts and just throw them to the curb. And me living four houses down, I'll just, like, pick them up in motorcycle parts, too. And then I'll immediately list them on eBay and, like, make, like, 50 bucks because they're throwing trash away. So I thought, okay, well, these Percy dudes, they, they probably have, like, some kind of, like, good water poos to throw away. So I tried them. Anyways, the Miami game was, like, hell on my feet again. But I didn't wear those boots, so it wasn't as bad. But that was a hell of an experience. And you knew in that game watching it. I tweeted out, 
not really a credit on the tweeters. Oh, I called it before. I'm not really like that. But I remember tweeting out, this will be the reason Rex Ryan is fired is this defense. Like, this is awful. Here we are with Sean McDermott. I was not ready to make this coaching change. Like, wait, like wait, hold, hold, hold on, back back what? up one second. You tweeted that. Yes, during the Dolphins game. Oh, good. That puts you in an exclusive club with like ninety thousand other people. Yeah. So Sean McDermott comes in, and um, you know, here we go again. Oh, we're gonna change the culture. Yada yada yada. All this bullshit. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm so sick of that word culture. So sick of hearing about leadership and you know, it's cool like when you first like really dive into the Bills. Like for me it was really late Jaron years, like throughout Jaron years I could say. And then Chan Gailey I just like started obsessing when they like hired Chan because I felt like it was like the underdog team and I'm like, Alright, let's let's start let's start diving deep. And um all you hear about is culture and when you keep following these coaching staffs averaging two years um, hearing about different ways to build culture is so stupid. Like, how about you have a system of accountability somehow? Like, hey, you guys get paid. And coaches need to understand that, like, all because these other dudes in the past studied the playbook, like, nonstop, obsessed over it, that you might have coached and when you've come in through the ranks and you if you notice these NFL coaches have been around with each other forever like they, they, it's like the same people getting regurgitated like how Jeff Fisher just got fired recently is just like amazing to me um and I'm sorry about the hand and the way of the camera I don't know um so you got these guys that just hang around and they've been coaching since like forever ago and maybe the father came in coaching forever ago, and they're underneath them forever ago. And it's like they think that these guys are going to have some killer, some absolutely killer, like, um, like, like work ethic. And really, I'm 32 years old. My generation and younger, you all suck. All suck. Like, no one owes you anything. Go work your work. Go do your thing. And do what I can't do, like budgeting money. So, what's that? Exactly, right? That's not really a theme of our podcast. Is budgeting money? Sorry, not your economics guy. If you need a drum stand, a hi hat stand, go buy it. You're gonna get some good use out of your hi hat stand if you play drums. Even if you don't, I don't play drums, but we got one today. Um, so really, just you, you gotta look at at this team in a way of um. I know I got off track here. You you, you got to look at the team like, in a way of like, how are you going to build this culture? Is there really going to be an infrastructure? Because these kids don't want to work. Nobody wants to work. These guys are entitled. They are the number one athlete on their team in college. These are high high recruits. Do you notice that these like more undrafted guys come in and they do pretty well and have long, very long sustained careers? And how many guys do you hear about first rounders, second rounders? Uh, you know, a lifetime backup quarterback like John Skelton, like. I guess, like, cool, you know, but do you really need to make that calculation? Oh, he's a solid backup in the league. Okay, so your dude, it's like all this draft talk, all this culture change, all this whatever, it gets so monotonous after a while, and it's the same crap. But as far as Sean McDermott's concerned, uh, it's taken like a month, but I've bought in to Sean McDermott, finally. Uh, I bought in the Rex Ryan right off the bat. 
and I eventually buy into every coach because it is the team and and sometimes when we set standards to shit on things we we try to uphold that and ding everything to it and everybody wants to fire the coach but not everybody has a solution of who to hire everybody wants to fire the general manager but they don't have a solution on who to hire and being objective is very painful it's very painful because when you look at 17 years of no playoffs i hate to even say that um it, it it's the team's fault because they're wearing the laundry, as Jerry Seinfeld would say. Um, but it's not the team's fault because you have so much turnover and no continuity. And that's a word that's been getting tossed around. And then finally, when you hire Sean McDermott, well, so what are you hoping for? Uh, well, you know, we want continuity with the right people. Oh, so that's like a backdoor out. So if this isn't the right guy, then I guess here we go again. So no accountability or, or accountability, continuity. So Sean McDermott, right off the bat, he's he's impressing me personally because he's actually talking about a structure to teach the players. And to me, that's very important. They are keeping veteran guys around. And, yes, every time coaches change over, you keep the vets, you keep whatever. But after going through Doug Marone, going through Rex Ryan, going through an ownership change, you have a few players that are being held over, like a Kyle Williams and Marcel Darius, Cody Glenn. And so you got these guys that have been here a while, Eric Wood and – I think, and I would hope, that they would want to put a stop to anybody, like, literally just fucking off. And it seems like that's what happened with Rex. I don't want to buy it when I'm reading comments from Jets Jets fans on Pro Football Talk. Oh, wait, just wait till Rex shows up. It's going to get wrecked. And uh, I was doing a job for our friend Nick Stiv. He's a Patriots fan. And um, he's doing his drywall work, and, and he's like, you know Rex is going to get fired this year, right? And it's like four games in. You know he's going to get fired, right? I'm like, no, he's not. Oh, stop it. Saw him the other day. Remember when I told you Rex was going to get fired? I think I just <laughs> walked away and put my head down in shame and cried. And you follow the team so close. And he's not like a dude to rub it in the face. He was a Pats fan when they sucked. So I'll give it to him. But you got to wonder... With the CBA, when you had a lot more practice time with these guys, a guy like Rex Ryan can overload you with a bunch of information. And the reason I know these players are overloaded is because right off the bat, when Rex came in first year, he talked about giving the players offensively and defensively as much information as possible to see what they can retain. And it backfired. And Rex's scheme, you got to know a lot of shit. And if you oh, can yeah. actually study it, you will make the Pro Bowl. Like, what do you think? You know, what, what were your thoughts on Rex, what Rex is doing? And then what I'm going to do is come back in with you with, uh, you know, I think the Sean McDermott simplicity route. Well, what I'm going to bring up is uh, during the season, there's a lot of people kind of, kind of scrutinizing Marcel Darius in particular because he came out and said. You know, 
this defense is too complicated. And you know what? He, I think he's right, but I think he was the wrong person to come forward and say it. There was a lot of there was a lot of uh, discomfort with with where he was at mentally mm-hmm. and physically last season. And a lot of people just thought, oh, well, he just doesn't give a shit. They thought he was that guy. But now, you know, you got more and more guys coming forward saying, like, well, yeah, it was a little complicated. It was hard to communicate. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff that like there's just a lot of miscues and we saw it. We saw it and it all it all came to a head, not to bring it up again, but in that overtime period against the Dolphins. That is where it all came to a head. The 10 men on the field, the just blowing it, J.H.I. getting 200-plus yards that game, just like mm-hmm. everything that was wrong with Rex Ryan's defense, we got the clear-cut textbook example of it in Week 16. Um, so, now, so now fast forward. We got Sean McDermott in here, and he's coming in, and he keeps – the the phrase that keeps coming up is less is more. Right. And uh well here at Numb Bills Fan Podcast, if you haven't if you haven't, you know, been able to tell already, it's kind of our that's kind of our uh logic that we like to stick with too. Is just keep it simple, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think uh I think it's gonna help get these guys back to basics. I think a lot of the things that the the team struggled with last year defensively was, you know, fundamental football, you know, being in the right position, you know, being in the right spot at the right time, tackling, you know, wrapping these guys up, completing the tackle, things like that. And when you've got a complex defense, you're spending more time with your nose in the playbook than you are refining those fundamentals. And I think that's, I think that's what we really lost from, uh, you know, the Jim Schwartz defense to the Rex Ryan slash Dennis Thurman, if you want to even in- include him in the conversation. I-, I-, I still am curious what, what Dennis Thurman's role in the whole situation was actually. Mm-hmm. Cause I think he was just like a dude that was around, honestly. I mean, I, I, I don't know what, what his exact duties were, but it didn't seem like he had the, uh, the same set of responsibilities that is typical of an NFL defensive coordinator. It just seemed like he didn't have much input, but I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not in the meetings. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know for sure, but it's just how it felt, especially, especially year two with Rob Ryan in the building. Right. It just, it just seemed like he was there as kind of like an afterthought, you know? I will say I bought into the Rob Ryan thing. They got me with it. And I'm not saying it, it failed because the linebackers got a lot better. If, if he was a linebacker guy, the linebackers played really well. So it's, it's – Yeah, really... we just sucked up We just sucked up front and on the back end. I don't even want to say we sucked on the back end, just uh, we weren't as good. Right. We we weren't getting we weren't getting good value there, we right. really weren't. And uh, it doesn't help when you got a Marcel Darius getting suspended and being you know injured from being lazy or whatever it is. And make no mistake, when the Bills 
wanted to find a new head coach. They wanted to find a guy that, that was responsible and could be the face of the franchise. And a lot of media likes to really take the low-hanging fruit and badger Doug Whaley, badger these guys. Here's how the media works. Year one, the media always gives the coaches the benefit of the doubt. You'll hear newspaper writers and these pressers talk like they're best buds. Like the first year, oh, oh, oh my God, Rex Ryan's going, oh, hey, bud. Oh, man, you want to have a beer? Come on, man. Me, you, and Dave, we could all put on our tracksuits. What do you think? Hey, bud. Oh, man, shucks. Year two. So, uh, you know, he had some losses there. And it's just like leading guys into just bad questions. Bad questions. And they don't answer it a certain way. And they got to write their article. They got to make their videos. They got to do whatever. And I understand that it's the job of the coach to talk about the team. But let's be real. You got a guy in Rex that will talk to you anytime you want. You could just go wake him up in bed, walk in his house. His door's probably unlocked. Probably beep the horn in his truck after you break his window, put a mic out. Oh, hey, what's up, guys? And they ruin that. Like, you ruin that. As far as media. And it's like, with Doug Whaley, the guy has a hard time talking. As is, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Uh, there was a time when I started playing music with Deacon. Deacon was uh, dumb enough to allow me in his band. Uh, I wanted nothing to do with like vocals on recording. Um, I, it, we we would do like gang chants and stuff, and that's just everybody goes in a room and just like screams some shit on time. And I didn't want to do that at all. I was shy with the microphone, um, and it and it takes a lot of balls to to get up there. And address an entire fan base of millions of people across the globe about what your plan is on players. And what's your plan with the coach? And is it a mistake? Is it like kind of weird that after Doug Whaley's uh, little last, his presser there where he got crushed and Buffalo media just went to bat on him? And there's guys, like I remember there was a reporter in Batavia, I forgot his name. Uh, I think he was posting, let's get him, Sully, pretty much like... Let's. Are we gonna get him? We gonna make a. We gonna roast him today. Cool. You need a hobby. Like you don't think this guy is already under enough heat with his job? I get accountability. I get accountability. But I also get knowing what a guy's job is, and that's drafting, that's free agents, that's making trades, and bottom line is to find talent. And shameless plug. Wrote an article for CoverOne.net. My dog, Eric Turner, told me, uh, yeah, send something in. And I wrote an article called Eye for Talent, Eye for Talent, period, um, on CoverOne.net. Please check that out. Uh, very good feedback, surprisingly. Um, so thank you for everybody that's checked that out. And uh, even the Reddit crowd, I guess, was rather kind of uh, supportive of it, which to the trolls of trolls. Like, really, I want to take my hat off to tip it to you, but I'm not moving my headphones for you. I don't care about you that much. So um, so now you got Sean McDermott, and he is the face of the franchise. And is it any, like, Scott Burchill gets moved out of his position as, I think, like, the head of public relations or something for the Bills. And, like, pretty much, like, his job was to prep Doug Whaley and tell him what to say out there. 
Like, hey, this is what's going to be coming. This is, that's his job. You know, the public image of the team. Lo and behold, that dude gets moved, and there's no leaks out of one Bills drive. And I added this up with Rob Quinn from Bills Wire, who's also on podcast, I believe, 112 on numbillsfan.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and wherever else. Um, and we were talking about it, and, and he he's part of USA Today. He's plugged in. And the local guys have not been getting scoops. And he broke it down. He's like, it's a lot of opinion articles. Even for, like, the Buffalo News, you got a Vic Carucci in there. They've been tight, the Bills. And that's because these dickwads don't understand that if you keep badgering people, we're going to have to make a change. Now, next thing you know, you don't hear from Terry Pagula much, okay? Why? Because you don't need to. So you're telling me he won't take that same approach with, like, the general manager whose job is a fine talent? I don't care to hear it from all the GMs all the time. I would love to as like a fan, like pick his brain, like what's your logic here? Like how did this happen? I'm sure there's so many stories of like what could happen behind the scenes that I would love to hear. Don't get me wrong. I would love it if he talked all the time, but he doesn't need to. And he doesn't need to be subjected to being harassed and treated like a douchebag when he has a job to do. And if he sucks, tell him why. But don't lead a guy on with open-ended crap and then complain that like, Doug Whaley's not talking to anybody right now. Does what's he even doing? Does he even work for the Bills? Like, well, you want like people want to claim that, and then it catches traction on Twitter. It catches traction on Facebook, which is like awful, and message boards and everything. And it's like Sean McDermott now is the guy. Everything's going through Sean McDermott with this football shit. So if you want to know about anything, it's going through Sean McDermott. And Sean McDermott has been in, like, hiding for a little bit, a.k.a. not in the media, actually, like, working, it seems like, behind the scenes. And I like him. Very high-level wrestler at one of the highest levels you could ever get in wrestling. So um, this team's going to tackle well, and this team's going to have discipline. I wrestled for four years. I say it all the time, and it changed my life. Like, um, very taxing, the you know, the discipline you got to have. And even though I lost a lot and I sucked, I really sucked. It was awful. Um, I still had to make it through the practices. You know what I mean? And, and and with Sean McDermott, he seems like he cares about the players. He's asking about their families. He's asking about certain things. And people got to be encouraged in this day and age. Like, like really, we have to be encouraged. I, I was the last. Deacon's the last of the dying breed where you can just call guys retards on job sites. You know? And... You can't do that now. It's not acceptable. And people's skin is a lot thinner, especially with social media, because right now we're all sorting shit out right now. Because my 89-year-old grandmother is in the same comments thread of a dude who I think went to jail for stabbing his own mother. I think, at one time. I could be wrong. How bizarre. I bought Nani an iPad. I didn't think the convicts would be, like, shooting the shit. In my comments thread, I forgot what it was about. I think it was about a band. But that's where we live in. So things are getting sorted out. So these kids coming up, they've always been a star. They've always been coddled. They've been training for this sport for a long time, a lot of these kids. So they need to be encouraged. And if the coaches only have so much time with these guys anyways, you might not have time to implement a Rex Ryan damn defense. Yes, it can work. But you got to have all guys on the focus level of Lorenzo Alexander at 33 years old 
who knows how to come to work every day. And I'm not saying the other guys didn't try either. There's a lot of miscommunication. And when you're seeing the same problems over and over, it sucks. And things got to change. Sean McDermott seems like he's stripping it back down to basics. He's definitely getting his guys in there. What I love about Sean right now, he's he's getting smart football players. And right off the bat, he's he's been developing like this like leadership council thing where, well, take a wild guess. Buddy buddies with the coach, a few guys, say captains, and they get to spread the message to the team. This is what coach expect, expects, and he's the barrier between them. Um, what do you think on all this, Deeks? Like, with, with Sean McDermott's mentality, um, what he's got going on? Like, how are you looking at it? Well, he seems like a real no-nonsense guy. I think he's exactly what he needs. I feel like there's other coaches on the staff who aren't going to take any crap. I mean, we all saw that video of Mike Waffle, right, when they hired him to be the defensive line coach. And everyone, I think everyone had the same reaction, like, oh, oh my God, this guy is a maniac, and he is going to grind Darius to bits. I think that was, like, everyone's, like, initial thought when they saw him in there, you know. I mean, the dude's an ex-Marine. I think he was a drill sergeant. I mean – so, like, he, he is your, like, you know, prototypical, like, mean military dude. Get your hand out of the camera, Dave. What are you doing? I see you. Um, but, no, nah, Waffle is uh, Waffle's a tough, tough dude. McDermott, he, he, seems like he's, he seems like he's that teacher that maybe necessarily wasn't, like, the nicest teacher, but he was, like, that, like, fair, just, like, that ultra-fair, like, You know, kind of strict, but if you do your part, he'll do his part kind of guy. Right. And, and, and that's, that, that's the vibe I get off of him. He reminds me of a teacher. I, I think. And that's good. I, I, think mean, that's, that, that... I think that's the most important thing right now is exactly that. And um, yeah. How do you get through the players? That that's, you know, okay. So you got the talent, right? You got the damn talent. How do you get through the players? Like, you 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 got to somehow get a message through them. They're going to be a little sensitive. It's going to happen. At the same time, you're here to work, and you got to get this crap taken care of. It's one thing to be tough. It's one thing to to have all the talent in the world, but like. Even just playing like beer league hockey, I'll play with some guys that I've been playing for 20 years, and I'm like, how do you not know certain things? Like, you got to really must just be dumb. And that's the same trend you have at jobs. You would think that a guy who's building a house might be smart. He's not. He just had it maybe handed down from his parents. And that could happen with genetics, too. Like, dude's just an all-star athlete. And it kills me that people think that, like, combine numbers are really going to affect game tape like i mean they will obviously it might make you take a relook i love when draft next do that oh i had them pepped here but then you know i took a look again that's like their way of saying oh i didn't see that coming um so i, I kind of think that like everything is all about um starts with showing your guys, how you want them to learn and what you expect from them. And if you can establish that system of teaching, I think you can get 
whatever you want executed. You got a guy like Tyrod Taylor, smartest. Not even I don't even want to say smartest, but you got a guy like Tyrod Taylor who is smart enough to be in that building every day for rehab, so he interacts with the coaches. You know that they probably talk for hours. Don't let them fool you. You know this coaching staff has the scoop on every single player through a couple guys. Because even the guys on defense like Doosable and Lorenzo Alexander last year were calling guys out through the media a little bit. Like, people got to step up. People got to do whatever. Sean McDermott needs to nip this in the bud now. And I think he's doing it well. And like you said, it starts with the teachers. Right, right. And I mean, all we hear is what what a meticulous coach he is. How, how much he's into the preparation aspect of things. And I mean, you know, you know how much these guys put into like going out and facing an opposing team. What do you think this dude's doing as a new head coach? Like, he's he's breaking everybody down to their like barest of bear. You know, he's he's getting right down to the core of each and every one of these guys. And you know, that's just the kind of work ethic that that he has. And pretty much everyone you've heard talk about him that's played for him in the past. The first thing they say is his ad- attention to detail. We had Takeo Spikes on, and they they crossed paths in uh, Philadelphia when he was coaching under Andy Reid. And Takeo's first first words out of Takeo's mouth about Sean McDermott was his attention to detail. It, it just everyone has the same thing to say. So I don't I don't think you know. You can even like contest that that's going to be a thing. He's he's taking the deepest look he can at this roster, and he he had a very successful defense, and that's that's exactly that's exactly where we've been struggling. If we would put up the same points that we put up last season, and and had even an okay defense, like our defense ended up terrible. By the by, the end of things, it was. It was awful. Um, Greg Morris actually mentioned in the comment, our red zone D was number one for the first five games, dead last after that. And it's just like... How's that, that happen? That that speaks for itself. I can't believe that through the first five games either. Thinking about that Jets game, I'm just like, how is our defense number one in anything besides points allowed? Right. <laughs> that, that, that Jets game, what was that, week two? Yes, something like that. Uh, that was like, that was barfing my mouth caliber football, man. And in in Bill's fashion, it's Fitzpatrick's like best game of his life, probably, at least for the season. So, um, I'm so yeah, sick, no, I mean, I'm so sick of that. I'm so sick of that. Always against the Bills, you know. Always against the Bills, just some dumb shit happens, and. After the after it ends the way it ends and we get a new coach in, I'm like, you know what? I'm glad that, that Doug Marone left because no one got Rex Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm glad that, uh, you know, Rex Ryan got fired. We got we got Sean McDermott now, man. Yes. So yeah. so what if we got, like, you know, a man corner we drafted last year that, you know, is going to have to learn how to play zone somehow? Huh. Well, I mean, Ronald Darby did – Play some zone coverage a little bit in Florida State, according to, uh, you know, our buddy there, Eric Turner at cover1.net. 
It's like, I, I'm so sick of this turnover, but you know what? The front four are almost intact, and you have a, a Shaq Lawson, if you want to consider that Amari Williams replacement. Because he showed a lot of promise, I thought, for the games he played this year. So, hey, that front four, they're going to be very capable of doing whatever. And if anything, there is an advantage with Shaq Lawson. And give credit to Doug Whaley for getting players that transcend systems. That's crazy. That through all the coaches, you still have players producing. That's hard to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's the thing. I think Shaq Lawson's going to be even better going back to the to the 4-3. Reggie Ragland, that's that's kind of the wild card for me right now. Um, but the one thing the one thing Sean McDermott did point out when he did talk to the to the press, what was it, last week at the owners meeting there? Was that he's not he's not so caught up in the whole like oh we're we're gonna do zone we're gonna do man he said if if my guys go out there and they're they're in, you know in man coverage and they're killing it I'll play man every down if that's if that's what's working you know so I mean I believe it and it's nice to say I, but I mean how often do you see these square pegs hitting around holes? Well, a lot. I think that I think we saw that a lot more with. Well, I mean, we have we don't have a sample set from from Sean McDermott here yet, but I think that's what we saw with Rex Ryan, especially the second year, because he was saying, "Well, the first year I tried to kind of blend what was here with what I had to bring, and it, Credit it to didn't him really for that, mesh." Though. And the second year, I think he was just like, "Do it, do it my way, do it my way." They're like, "But hey, man, listen, like it's not working." He's like, "Well, just do it my way." Mm-hmm. And we were we were on board. We were like, "These guys need to buy in. These guys need to buy in. They're not buying in." Da 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 da. Well, maybe the reason they're not buying in is because they're smart football players and they they see the problems there. Because once the dust started settling, once Rex was out of the building and the season was over a little bit. It kind of seemed like more and more guys were just like, well, yeah, you know, it was a little complicated, didn't really go great, and so on and so forth. So, it's... all in all, we, I think we got a guy who is a is a progressive thinker, a younger guy, less set in his ways, very eager to to get it done. You know, it's his it's his first shot as a head coach. You know, he's not a retread. He's not, you know, this isn't, this isn't, you know, the same system we've been, we've been watching the New York Jets play since 2006 or whatever. Like, this, this feels fresh. You know, this actually feels fresh this time. Because I wasn't on board with Rex right, right out the gate. I was like, man, out of everybody they could have hired, they hired that guy. <laughs> the, the, the dude with like the worst record in, in the conference, like the last couple of years, like we're, we're taking that guy, but you know, I, I came around a little bit. I was like, Oh yeah, well maybe, you know, the GM, the GM, that's what I'm saying. You know, the GM didn't yeah, yeah. get on the guys and well, our GM gave them some guys. Unfortunately, they ended up hurt and we never really got to like, see how that played out. But I'm, I mean, not all of them, obviously, but I'm, I'm referring to Shaq Lawson and Reggie Raglan again. You know, our, or, our top two picks. Or Harvin top... Percy Harvin. Well, there was that. But, uh, 
we can't act like we we didn't think that was a good idea at the time either because we did. Who's number eighteen right now? Uh, who is number eighteen? Is it Listenby? I don't know. I'll 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 get back to you. Okay, so um, anything interesting you got in the comments, really, or not so much? Listen, B is number eighteen. Okay. okay. So yeah, I got that. You're trying to figure out what nameplate to smack on your uh, your Harvin jersey, or what? I'm trying to be thrifty, and uh, I don't think I want to. Surprise, surprise. I don't really like the blue tape look, the painter's tape with black sharpie over. It's kind of dumb. <laughs> Why uh, you have it on everything else you own? Yo, blue tape is good stuff. I'm not gonna your lie. Ho- your house is held together with blue tape and Tyvek tape, and that's it. Probably. There's no, there's like no nails or screws anywhere. I swear to God. I think <laughs> it's, hey, I think it's worthwhile. I love, I love tape. Tape is awesome. Just saying. Tape is great. Um, so I, what I like about Sean McDermott, Adam, is that he is. Uh, he really is focusing, and I actually buy what he's doing right now. He's not just throwing his ego around. He's not going to be a hardhead like Merle, like this is just my way or the highway. Um, he reminds me of Chan Gailey, where he was very, I guess, like, Chan wasn't super. Like, like Chan cared about his guys, you know? Um, that's why you have guys like Steve Johnson who almost went to the Jets to play for Chan Gailey recently. And then San Diego called. So, yeah, San Diego called first, I guess. So, it's like, if Sean McDermott can get these players to believe in him right off the bat, give a crap about your guys, you'll get results. Because these guys, they all want to get paid. And what's nice is Sean McDermott... He's run a system that's been successful recently. And he lost Norman unexpectedly last season. So, I mean, there's that. And the the two rookie cornerbacks that they were playing in Carolina started out really rough, okay? But by the end of the year, people who have watched Carolina, from what I've heard, said, like expert guys, that they got a lot better by the end of the year. So that's good. But what the Bills have now is they're doing a cover three. You know, you got these these corners playing zone. There's this Richard Sherman talk uh, floating around. Buffalo Rumblings has an idea. Everybody has ideas how to get Richard Sherman. I don't know how you make it fit under the cap or not. Um, I would love Richard Sherman. It will be a balling move. But um, you and I were talking about it, Adam, with uh, Eric Turner at CoverOne.net. And uh, we were just texting around, and and he brought up some great points. I I don't know if Richard Sherman is really worth the price if this draft is supposedly deep in corner. But I will say, in Bill's luck, as in, like, the negative fan, I'll go on your glass half-empty side here. Oh, the Bills are going to trade the farm for this guy, and... Next thing you know, we're going to have, like, seven cornerbacks that were, like, rounds three through five that the Bills could have got. They all made Pro Bowls over the last five years. But, no, they gave away the farm for for Richard Sherman. That's what would happen if you're the Bills. 
if you're that Bills fan, that's how you look at it. And if Bills luck, sometimes that crap does happen. And it seems like it happens to us a lot, us. Uh, so Richard Sherman, the reason I think it's a good idea is he's a very smart football player. I hate him for this, that Seattle play, but I wanted Brandon Spikes on my team, even though he crushed Chandler. I want Richard Sherman on our team. Are you kidding me? That guy's smart as hell. Stanford? Ever heard of it? He's smart. Micah Hyde sounds like a smart kid. The Poyer kid, the other safety, sounds like a smart kid. Very good athlete. And now you're going to have three defensive backs who are smart as hell. And you got Ronald Darby coming into his third season. And he's played some zone at Florida State, I guess. And now you got to find another corner who they did bring a guy in. Uh, I forgot his name. I think it was Webb to, mm-hmm. to visit. So, um, And if you talk with Eric Turner, hit him up. Uh, cover one bills on Twitter and cover one dot net for his website. Uh, great bills breakdown. Uh, any players you want to know about the bringing in or anything like that, shoot him a message, hit him up, listen to his podcast too, by the way. And, you know, he says that they're bringing in these corners that are, are really all a certain type. Well, that same type is the type that the draft is deep in. So I think the Bills will figure out this cornerback position. But, Dan, it's a priority. And I'll be honest with you, um, Adam and I were kind of having a debate earlier, and I didn't think he was serious at first. Uh, you were asked to send in your pick for the Bills in the mock draft, Adam, and uh, you made the case for Mike Williams after a guy like Foster, who I like, was picked earlier. Well, now, let me... Let me make a couple things clear before before I get into that. Now, this mock draft, it's a guy who runs a radio station in North Carolina. He hit me up on Twitter and said, hey, I'm doing a mock draft with, like, different podcasters and bloggers. Do you want to select 10th on behalf of the Bills? Now, I don't have the option of having a trade partner and trading back and trying to dump this number 10 pick. Um. Honestly, that would be my that would be my first choice, I think. So, just because all the defensive backs I like in the first round came off early, um, th- this mock draft played out kind of funny. It really did. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I haven't made my selection yet. I, mm-hmm. I I'm gonna be up. I'm gonna be up tomorrow morning. Um, Cincinnati. They're waiting on the Cincinnati pick right now, and then it's my turn. Um, so I'm taking Mike Williams just on the on the idea of just having that big physical receiver. Now, uh, um, that's just kind of how this one's falling, though. But a a guy a guy that I I would be interested in if I could get for into the first round and pick up extra picks in later rounds. I've been looking at uh, Marlon Humphrey, the cornerback out of Alabama. He's good. He would fit. McDermott's zone, you know, zone scheme real well. Like he's a uh, six foot, hundred ninety-seven pounds. Not super long, but not not undersized by any means. You know, we had we had Nickel Roby Coleman for the last few years. You know, so right. Say what say what you will. Um, he's not he's not the most versatile guy, but like I said, he excels. He 
sells in zone, cover three, cover four, some cover two there. Um, and he would be able to plug in immediately and make an impact. And I think if you could get if you could get deep into the first round and pick up some extra picks, that would that would definitely be the way to go. I like Mike Williams because he's kind of the opposite of what we have with Sammy Watkins. He's not like he's not such a finesse guy. He's got that he's got that nasty to him. He's gonna go in there, he's gonna get up high, he's gonna he's gonna club you over the shoulder and grab the ball. You know what I mean? Like and that's kind of what we had going on with Justin Hunter, the big guy who can grab the tested ball. But this dude plays so much more physical, but with similar size. And that's why I like Mike Williams. For me, I didn't want to go receiver um, when we were talking about it because I look at it like a guy that's going to get five targets a game or something. Oh, he's a threat. Th- no, nah, I, I, it, it, if there's a glaring need on the team, for me, my logic is get the guy that's going to fill the hole because if this is a draft that you can draft for need and it's really that deep, then if your biggest hole is cornerback, get one wherever you are if you can't trade back. Plug that hole now. And that's if you don't have the free agent that you want or a trade or anything right. like well, that. In this, in this particular mock I was looking at, like Lattimore was already off the board, right. I know. Um, and and for, for safeties, you know, uh, Hooker, Adams, and Peppers were already all off the board in the first eight, eight picks. So That's crazy. There was, there was four DBs gone in the first eight picks. Fournette was off. I'm trying to think who else was off. Uh, the linebacker bringing up from Bama, he was gone second overall in this actually, which is outrageous. But hey, whatever, you know. Right. That's why. That's why this is a bunch of bloggers and not a bunch of GMs doing this shit. And, and Mike Williams, on your point, with Mike Williams, yeah, his style reminds me a lot of Brandon Marshall. He will attack the ball. It looks like he will go after it, and. I've always wanted a receiver in Buffalo like that. Always wanted one like that. And I kind of like, I felt like Robert Woods was kind of a baller like that, where he would fight hard towards the ball, but like he doesn't have the, the, the frame Mike Williams does. He doesn't have the frame Brandon Marshall has. And it doesn't take much for them to break a tackle and be out. I don't care if you're 4-3, John Ross. Like, can John Ross run a freaking route? Like, let's be real here. I don't know. But we've seen all these smaller receivers come in and get their bow wrong. We've seen them all come in. They can't be Andre Reed. You know, you give credit to Chris Hogan. Dude's pretty durable. You know, so if you can run fast, it doesn't mean that you could do everything. So, um, Mike Williams, you can, the Bills can spin me on it. If they draft Mike Williams, I get it. I get it. What's going to sell more jerseys? Are you tell- Everything is Buffalo Bills' decision. If you're telling me a guy is more marketable than a guy who isn't more marketable, and you both you, you need him, you're going with the guy who's going to put more traction to your franchise. And you I, don't could, think, I don't think it has anything to do with jersey sales, because if I'm not mistaken. Not jersey sales, but I think whoever you can pimp out the best for your franchise like the best, like the most marketable person. Like we've talked about endorsements or sponsors, and we wanted to get people who really, you know, we don't want just the antiques shop. If you believe that we can help sell your product, sure, fine. But, like, we'd like to integrate with people that, that, that we want to integrate with that, that we feel could benefit both parties more. Be honest about it. And it's like, that might make sense to you, man. Right, right. No, I mean, 
we have we have a bunch of like wild Buffalo Bills fans as an audience. Like if if somebody wanted to like pay us pay us money to like advertise like the ballet or something, I might say, Hey, you know, there might be a better show for this because I'm an ethical sort of dude. I I mean there are those guys who would who would say, Hey, screw it, take the cash and run, but I feel I've I'll at least I, I, I'll at least hit the disclaimer. Of, I, right, I I have this sense of ethics, and I would rather I would rather have a client that I could lock in for less money over a longer period of time than a cash grab for someone who wouldn't benefit from it. So using the using this as an example. So you look at a Mike Williams kind of thing where, um, what, what's your best return on investment for your pick? And also, can you kill two birds with one stone and get people talking about your franchise and the public and still hope and you know, whatever, whatever. I think the Bills got to make the best football move. And wherever you got these players ranked, follow your board. Go for it. Um, you can say what you want about Bills drafts, but it's hard to develop players when you have a lot of coaching staffs. And what if this Sean McDermott thing, what if Shaq Lawson and Reggie Ragland are, are really Sean McDermott's draft? Kind of interesting, right? Like, what if that's really, what if those two guys make a big ass impact for Sean McDermott this year? And and think about it, Sean McDermott, you would want to bring in. He's going to want to bring in defensive guys for his scheme. Well, cool, you got Shaq Lawson. Let's go. Let's see what you can do with Reggie Ragland. He is not Luke Keekly speed. He is not, and he's still got to beat out Preston Brown too. So you kind of got to look at things where. What is your best value at that position to match your need and make the most impact on the field? And for me, a receiver, it's it's initially like a little bit of a hard sell to take a receiver when he's only going to get X amount of targets. And that cornerback that's a rookie will get targeted, you know, maybe 10 to 15 times a game or more. So I'd rather have that cornerback where he's getting thrown at that's some guy who's just in here on a one-year deal who might not be all that good or he's just so-and-so off the depth chart. Now, if they earn that spot, cool. As they're doing what's asked, cool. But, like, damn, it would be nice to get, like, a, a guy like another Gilmore who's got to stick around. And that's kind of something that I, I would love to see is – who would make the most impact? I think a cornerback makes a lot more impact than a number one or number two receiver. I should say number two receiver. If Sammy Watkins is healthy, I hate saying the if thing, but on a team that's running five yards a clip and had an awful defense last year and they were still a top ten offense, that tells you something. Because you ain't hearing about a team like that's throwing a million passing yards going, you know, they got to be more balanced. You just can't have the 32nd ranked ranked passing offense or running offense if you're winning games i don't care how you do it i don't care if you just return punts for touchdowns if that's your strategy if you can execute that shit go for it i don't care if we ever see the quarterback run all the kickoffs back if you're so good i don't care how you do it i ain't gonna complain there's many different ways to do this figure it out so Impact. I think that's what's got to happen in the draft. Just, just impact players, and I think you can find many of them. Um, did you have anything else on uh, Mike Williams that you really liked? 
because I could be sold on them if they plucked them at 10. I No doubt about it. I, I love receivers. I mean, they're exciting to watch. I hear he has really minty breath. You're lying. So, don't answer your question. No, I don't have anything else. <laughs> Took you that long to tell me that. All right. Well, well we're we're done. I gotta, here. I gotta admit. I gotta admit, Dave. It's past my bedtime. Me too. So everyone knows I'm old. Um, before before we hop off, though. I do got a little something to bring up here. Um, for those of you who are in the Buffalo, Rochester, Western New York area, we're actually doing a live event. Um, Rock Sports Network has invited us to host the second night of their draft party along with uh, Ryan and Icy from the show The Huddle. It used to be the Bills Fanatics show. It's not called that anymore. It's called The Huddle now which is an awesome name. Um, so we're going to be out there with Ryan and Icy. Um, Nate Geary from WGR is hosting. It's a two-day event, Thursday the 27th, Friday the 28th, second night we're on. Uh, it's it's us, Drew Gear from Rockpile Report. Uh, Nate Geary's on both nights. Spencer German from 105.5, the t- team here in Rochester, and uh, Mario and Paul from Hashtag Sports are going to be co-hosting the first night. We're going to be down there both nights drinking, eating. There's food and drink specials. There's giveaways, lots of prizes. The Batavia Downs, great casino. We were we were up there a couple weeks ago, uh, did a little gambling, did a little drinking, had a great time. Um, it's actually where we did episode 113 with, with Drew from Rockpile Report. We did it in the van in the parking lot out there. Awesome episode. Make sure you check that out. And, uh, yeah, so 7, 7 p.m., Friday, the Thursday and Friday of the draft. Come down to Batavia Downs, party with your boys, Dave and Adam from Numb Bills Fan. It'll be a blast. I can't wait to do it. It should be awesome. And um, Yeah, this is like our first, like, actual live appearance. This is kind of cool. When was the dates again for that, by the way? Thursday, April 27th, and Friday, April 28th. Sweet, sweet. Um, starting starting at seven. It says seven p.m. till on the flyer. I'm going. I'm going all the way up to till. Last dog hung. I am ready to party. I'm so psyched. Rock Sports Network annual draft party at Thirty Four Rush. Let's do. do yeah, this. I can't wait. You know, people come out. Let's party. Bring a bounce house. Bring a basketball hoop. Let's have a dunk contest with a trampoline or something. I don't know. Bring the slip and slide in the casino. You never know. Bring a football. Um, I'll be on the video poker, <laughs> just like drunk, um, sitting there like a machine. So, yeah, I'm gonna need a hotel room for this for sure. It's it's going down. We're definitely getting a hotel room. So, um, look, everybody, take care. Numbillsfan.com. Don't forget punchdrunksports.com. Follow us everywhere. And most importantly, right now, thank you to billsforlife.com and also uh, Shady Rays. Get 25% off. Shadyrays.com. Type in numbillsfan and you'll get as 25% your promo code. off. As your promo code. Thanks, Dad. At checkout. Yeah, I got you. Don't worry. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it, guys. So, everybody, take care. Numbillsfan.com. At Punch Drunk on Twitter, billsforlife.com, dot 